Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. We're talking front row forwards tonight, and who better to join me to talk big boppers than this man himself, 65 kilos, ringing wet, Tommy Hudson. Mate, it's going to be a bit of a shorter episode tonight, I feel. We're going to talk the best of the best and try and find some value as well, but... Jeez, it's like uh, it's like mining for gold out Bathurst way. There's not much left there, is there? It's it's, it's tough going at front row forward. It is tough going, and uh, good day, everyone. Over the years, I think I've sort of treated this position as somewhere to save a bit of cash. Better spend elsewhere, I think, but it's still four slots out of your 25, so you've got to put a bit of effort into it, and we're going to do that tonight. You talk about saving cash. It's also about making cash as well, isn't it? And I can only think back as recent... As last year, some of the best performers, uh, not just in terms of their points output, but in terms of what they opened up and, and buying uh, bigger names from lesser names even. Max King, Josh King, geez, they did wonders for us both last year and started around that bottom dollar price, 180000 or thereabouts. So yes, it is important to, to go top heavy and to find some of the, the bigger names and, and bigger outputs. It's just as impressive to find uh, a couple of diamonds in the rough. Exactly, diamonds in the rough was the, the phrase I was going to say. There is probably them every year. Josh King and Max King, I think, were the best two last year. We'll find them again this year. But of the same thing, you don't really want to find too many diamonds in the rough and then they're getting 20 every week because uh, we found that with Andrew Fafita last year. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's so a fine you've got to be line. careful with who you pick. Yeah, very, very fine line. Uh, we'll try and find uh, the better half of that line tonight, as well as that. Uh, we'll do a bit of news at the top and answer some listener questions as well. Let's not waste any time, though. Speaking of the biggest news today, it has to be the, the talk of Stephen Crichton. Uh, he's come out and told his Panthers teammates that he won't be there beyond the end of 23. And You'd think and you'd suggest that it's uh, all but a, a done deal to head out there to Bulldogs to join Matty Burton and Billy Amikikia. Yep, and Cameron Serrato, the former assistant coach of the Panthers, they're really building, I guess, Panthers 2.0 out there, aren't they? Gus Gould as well at the helm yeah. of the club. Hopefully for the Bulldogs' sake, uh, it does bring the same sorts of success. Uh, and I think it's a good signing. I don't think... I think we knew from a young age that Crichton was going to be a player with great potential. And he yep. probably, he's definitely shown over the years, but whether his future's at fullback or not, that remains to be seen, I think. It's very different playing fullback than it is playing in the centres. He's going to have to do a hell of a lot more running and defensively uh, the the responsibility to structure the team. And Seraldo, we keep hearing, is a defensive-minded coach. So uh, mm-hmm. let's see what uh, Steph Crichton can do out that way in season 2024. Uh, speaking of uh, fullbacks making way or heading to a new club, at least we think Lachlan Miller will be on his way to the Newcastle Knights. Uh, this news has sort of been floating around for a while, but uh, a deal looks to have been struck between the Sharks and the Knights. So Lockie Miller, he looks to get a good go at first grade. Yeah, it's good to see him finally get a, a proper crack. He, he was good in limited 
showings last year. I think he ran for 300 meters on his first game for the Sharkies. Yep. Goes to Newcastle. And not only for him, it's big news for Ponga. That should mean he's definitely in the sixth jersey come round one. Now, speaking of fullbacks, probably no bigger name in the game uh, this time last year than Tom Travojevic. We, we dabbled. We, we said, should we start with him? He was $1.3 million. Uh, obviously lost a, a heap of cash, and that was on the back of his injuries. And I think a manly legend was this bloke, a former CEO, chairman, spokesperson of some sort, Peter Peters. He's got uh, a name so good they called him it twice. He thinks that they should sell Tom Travojevic and get him off the books. You think that that's the best way for manly going forward? Yeah, look, it seems – I think it's a ridiculous call, to be honest. Um Yes, he's had a lot of injury troubles in the past few years, but you look at the one season he stayed on the field. Yeah. You know, they nearly won a comp. He won a Daly M. And I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, James Graham's podcast, The Buy Round. It's very good. Uh, he has an episode with Anthony Seabold, the incoming Manly coach. And he was just saying, you know, as soon as he comes to Manly, the Jabrovich brothers are the heart and soul of that club. So yep. it's really hard to imagine them ever parting ways with Tom. Yeah, it just seems uh, it would have. I don't, I don't think getting rid of your best player is going to help you. Yes, it might free up salary cap, but, I mean, besides Tom, he's a player that players would want to go to Manly to play with. You know, you lose Tom, Cherry Evans is on the wrong side of 30. Like, what's the allure for anyone to go to Manly besides playing with Tom and potentially untapping some of that potential, which uh, we got a glimpse of in 2021, as you say. Uh, anything else floating around? Obviously, uh, it's never a dull moment in, in rugby league, but... What else can you tell us? Not much, not much happening really. Uh, I think we're just starting getting to the end of summer in a way, getting really excited for the footy finally, and doing all this research for these various podcasts. Um, okay. It's really getting me buzzing. So let's get into it for the forwards. Yeah, we got through the uh, the summer of cricket. The tennis is on now. So once we get uh, through the next fortnight, it focuses well and truly on. Uh, the NRL and the trials will be just, I think, about 10 days after that. So between now and then, plenty of content coming your way right here on the podcast at Supercoach365, right across the socials. You can find us on YouTube as well. Uh, if you haven't already, jump on over there, give us a like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications as well because uh, we're going to be churning out a whole heap of content. Tommy, uh, you'll be joining us. Uh, actually, you're going to go sun yourself in Fiji for a week and a half or so. So. Looking forward to you coming back with a with a tan and anything else you bring home. <laughs> Nothing too sinister. No, it should be good. Recharge the batteries, get ready for another a big year of Supercoach. Um, let's get into the forwards now, though. The front row forwards, as I said before, it's been a position that I've kind of put on the back burner in the last few years. It's probably the last position I fill, yeah. depending on how much cash I have left. And like a stat that you pointed out to me today, uh, only 14 players average 50 or better in 2022 in the front row forward position. That's that's very low, and it shows why that we probably prioritise this fairly low when it comes to picking positions here. Yeah, it's a crazy number, and I think it's it's important you, you start with that because it's, like I sort of said at the top, like you're looking um, particularly in draft, like what you can get from off the waivers or, you know, some of – call it the scrap heap for, for want of a better term. It's really not too far off the, the upper echelon. So – Again, in terms of yeah, draft, we are draft players as well as classic. In terms of draft, it's certainly not a position you're going to look to fill in your first five, six picks, I, I wouldn't suggest. No, definitely not. And even in a, in a classic lens, like you, we think of these players, Joe Tarpany, Clemmers, Payne Harses, they're all averaging mid-60s. And then you yeah. think of players maybe a lot cheaper well, not a lot cheaper, but we're not thinking of them, such as Max King, Nelson Sofa-Solomona. They're only averaging 10 less. Yeah. There's really not a big difference there in averages. There's no high ceilings like there is at fullbacks and halfbacks. So the difference between top and bottom in the front row forwards really isn't much. So, yeah, keep that in mind, I think, when you're building your team. And uh, just something else we pulled out today when we are putting this together. So of those top 14 players, only two of them are dual position. And why that's important is... Sorry, I should say this is this is uh, going off uh, averages of last year, of course. So there are others sort of floating around not too far below that. But in terms of, as we sort of said, those who are averaging over 50, only two players are dual position gives you that flexibility. <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking here. Uh, flexibility to move them around. And that's two Tigers in Alex Twall and uh, Big Joe Offahingawi. So, of course, uh, excluding Isaiah Popoli'i from this list because he won't be... Uh, front row forward eligible this year. So that's a big loss in speaking of dual position players. 
It's a big loss. Giving me anything. It's a big loss. Isaiah Papali'i not not being dual position eligible this year. Yeah, no, very surprising that actually. It's sort of similar to the cheese. I didn't expect. I saw. I expected Papali'i to have the dual still. I know he's going to play back row, but he has played a lot of front row in the past few years. But yeah, it's just another reason why I don't really want to prioritize this position too much. I guess there's not much flexibility once you get them in the team. They can't really move anywhere. Yeah. But even though we've just shit canned uh, this slot for the last five minutes, let's get into the best options anyway. <laughs> yeah. Stick around for the next 30. It's great listening. Uh, let's kick <laughs> it off at the top because, as you sort of said, um, and, and we've sort of done this a little bit different. Usually we start with, uh, in previous years, and in with the hookers, we started with uh, the most expensive player, but we're starting with the best average from last season. They're not the same. Um, looking here, uh, sorry, the most points, I should say, starting with the most points, and of course I'm speaking of Joey Tarpanay, um, 23 games last year, 66.4 average, uh, priced this year at $699,500, 23 games, as we say, they're average 66.4, and uh, those numbers, when you drill a little bit deeper, they're even better than that, um, his second year of uh, second half of the year, I should say, was just phenomenal. It was. Um, being a Raiders fan, it was great to see. And I thought he was always a player that didn't maybe live up to his potential. But last year, mm. getting a full crack at front row alongside Josh Papali'i, they turned into a dynamic duo sort of thing. Um, those numbers you're alluding to there, in the last 12 games of last season, he averaged 75. And there was only one try in that run. So it was no you know, like lucky try here and there. It was literally just based stats and offloads. And he, he was good for that every week, playing yep. decent minutes as well. Nothing changes this year at the Raiders, so I don't see why it won't be a rinse and repeat situation. Why was he so good last year, though, compared to years gone before, do you think? So you obviously watch a lot of the Raiders, and we saw his potential at moments fleeting in, in 2020 and 2019, going back some time, but what was it about was it Ricky's rotation, his uh, coming of age maybe, he's just a little bit older, a little bit wiser and more responsibility? What was it that sort of flicked a switch for him? I think it was a bit of all of what you just said there. I think, firstly, there was some off-field issues. <laughs> Last couple of years, if you do remember, his girlfriend was talking out against the coach on Instagram. I think there was a few things there which were making me believe that he wasn't too happy. That yeah. He looked great last year, happy off the field and whatnot. But also, he was playing lock and second row at various times in the last few years. I think moving to front row just simplified his task. He just runs hard, gets some offloads away. You couldn't put him down last year. Defenders, he just stood in tackles all day. So that was just uh, churning out the points for owners. Just looking here at his numbers from last year, uh, I think he captained the side even one time. So just showing you, like you say, they're sort of coming of age. And a um, couple of tries amongst the year as well. He had three try assists, which was equal best of any front row forward. Um, looking here, his metres per run, 9.9. Again, that's uh, right up there, and I'd be shocked if that wasn't one of the best for uh, front row forwards. 74 tackle breaks, 46 offloads. So, I mean, from your front rowers, he's giving you something that a lot of the others in that position aren't. So um, some of those other names that I'm looking at here, uh, Junior Bolo and uh, Pangai Junior, of course. Prolific offloaders and, and tackle uh, busters in their own right. No, exactly right. He was, you know, he's a forward, but he plays a very dynamic, almost like a back rower. So it, it is a bit of both there. I think the fact he's 700K, so it, it comes back to what we were saying earlier in the in the podcast about are we willing to commit that sort of money to this position? I think if you are, he's the way to go personally. The person we talk about in a second is the next best. But I just think Tarpane, as I said before, 75 average in the last 12 games last year. I don't think anything changes this season, and he can deliver that again. I want to flick his, uh, his first three games that back up on your screens here if you're watching on YouTube. So they have the Cowboys uh, up in Townsville round one. Then I think they're down to uh, KO Stadium at Redcliffe round two, and then they get the Sharks down there at Canberra round three. So expecting a couple of tight games there, but all in all, that's uh, it's not the worst start to the season. I think the, the Raiders traditionally don't like going to Townsville, but... I mean, they're, they're winnable games when the Raiders are playing their best, probably two of those three. Just a general question about front row forwards and two RFs. Do you look at their fixtures as much as you do for a playmaker? Because I personally don't. I, I don't really think it matters who Tarpane is playing, whereas if it was Jack Whiten or Savage or someone else in the Raiders team, I would really be looking at those fixtures. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put a whole heap of onus on it. Um, 
we will look into this as the season goes on and forgive us for not doing it tonight. But maybe as we start to unpack some of the better front row forward options or even forward options for that matter, I'd love to look at the other side of the ball, teams who concede offloads. Because that's where you're looking at, um, you know, your players like your Tarpanes or even potentially this man as well, Tino Fasumaliawi. Uh, speaking of coming of age, what about uh, Big Tino's efforts last year? 22 games. He took on the captaincy uh, up there at the Titans. Uh, you speak of uh, shelling out uh, big dollars here. You're going to have to do it for Tino. $704,000 uh, upwards there. 67 points per game average, as we said from last year. He could get even better. He could. And I, I was so surprised to see that he was the most expensive forward. I think I must have slept on him last year because I, I didn't own him at any point. I don't think I had him in draft comps either. Mm. But he obviously was churning out great scores. I just wasn't taking notice of it. Uh, 56 average in 2021 up to 67. So that shows the improvement. And I was comparing him to Tarpane. And I think the only or one of the main selling points for Tino is the fact that he still has dual status. You can put him in the 2RF as well as the FRF. Yeah, so just rewinding, obviously, uh, I think on Supercoach, Tino is predominantly a second row forward. So we're looking at primary position, and that's why, uh, talking previously about Swole and Offahangawi, um, they are front row forwards. So I, I probably should have put a, a precursor on that. Tino is dual position. That does help. Um, I think Tohu Harris also falls into that same category. So we might talk more about Tohu when we get to the two RFs um, podcast because I think he's going to figure more as a back rower or as a lock this year anyway. But just back to Tino just quietly. You say he's just still 22 years old. I think you, know, you look at some of these uh, other players, uh, front row forwards who dominate later in their 20s. It's exciting for the Titans because... Not only is he uh, on, a, on a path to something more, he can bring some of these other forwards along with him. Absolutely. He, he's the, I think he's pretty much the heart and soul of that club. He's the leader of the four pack. He tries so hard every week. And like you said there, obviously 22, club captain. The only risk I see for him in the future is burning out. Maybe like a, a J- Jason Tumalolo or a Payne Haas doing too much too yeah. young in their career and then perhaps having to taper it back. But at the moment, I think he's in for a big year. I don't think they'll be tapering back this year. Between him and Tarpane, which way would you go? Uh, I'll give you a tip. I'm not going either of them. I I can't justify the price. If I had to pick one, you'd you'd pay the extra 5K, I think, to have Tino at the duel. Your look on your face suggests you're going the other way. No, I think it's you're splitting hairs. I think maybe one... Other factor we can take into consideration is that the Titans have a buy in round five, the Raiders have a buy in round eight. Maybe that gives you a few extra weeks of not having to make a trade or sit one of your best players. But yeah. look, there's nothing between it. Maybe the fact I'm a Raiders fan has me going tarpening. It's a good point you raise, though, isn't it? It's looking at buys, maybe if you ask me that question now in hindsight, I'd say tarpening because yes, they both have a buy pre origin, but you look at that round 13 game, first buy when there's everyone out. Tarpane will be there. So for 5000 less, you're going to have an extra player that week. Maybe that's something to consider as well. Yeah, we, there's so many things to think about even in January, isn't there, really? so. But, but I think, like you're saying there, there's two, two decisions here. One, do you want to spend this much money on a front rower? Yes or no? And if you are, who do you pick? Probably a dead heat between the two. Okay, let's move on to Payne Haas, another name which would have, we would have probably led the conversation with last year, at least uh, he would have been in the top two forwards, no doubt. Payne Haas, traditionally, you think of Payne Haas as that big motor forward who plays 70-plus minutes and sometimes even 80. Just wasn't the case last year, and it's probably why he slips down the radar a little bit this year. Um, his numbers, just they just didn't hit the heights we know they can hit. No, they didn't, and... I think I think he was very injured last year. I do remember a few times he tried to come back from an injury. I think it was a shoulder, perhaps. Yeah. And it just didn't seem to be helping him out. Um, when you think about it, though, he's only averaged three less than Joe Tarpanay last year. And the amount of good publicity around Joe Tarpanay and bad publicity around Payne Haas' scoring, you mm. probably would have thought that was a bigger difference. Does he have the sense of like a, a bit of villain about Payne Haas? I feel like he's just, not that he intends for it, but there's just always this rhetoric, this narrative that he just, I don't know. 
it's hard. I, I just don't think there's many Payne Haas admirers away from the Supercoach world. Obviously, uh, we've seen him do it for New South Wales, and funny we speak of Tino before this. I don't know. I just feel like there's this bit of dirty air which is surrounding Payne Haas, and probably not always his own fault. And again, that those sort of questions will hang around him to start this season, so not an easy go for him. No, definitely not his fault at the moment, obviously, with things happening off the field, which are be interesting to see if they do impact him. I can't imagine it would impact him positively, really. But, um, yeah, last year, as you were saying, we would usually talk about him first. I think he was 54% owned when yeah. uh, before a ball was kicked last year. And by the end of the year, I don't think anyone really had him. Uh, he only scored over 70 points just once after round eight in 14 games. And I know he's a front rower, but you still want to see an occasional big score and he just was not producing any at all. Yeah. How much of uh, the emergence of Pat Carrigan do you think impacted Haas' scoring? Yeah, massively. And to be honest, I'm actually shocked. I know that Carrigan, I don't know if he was ever named it prop, like 8 or 10. He was a prop. He's playing middle. And yes, he's second row eligible Carrigan, but geez, the amount of work that Carrigan did just getting the ball over the advantage line. I, I, no, with no hesitation, do I think that that hurt Haas's game. I think the extra ball playing which Carrigan has as well probably just lends to that fact. Maybe they look to yeah, Carrigan right. two times a set rather than Haas. That, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it directly impacts it. I, I think when Haas was at his best, maybe in 2020 and 2021, he was just a one-man team at some stages. They had no one to go with him. He was taking two or three runs a set carrying blokes yeah i guess he doesn't have to do that anymore now with carrigan and a few of their other young forwards coming good as well so maybe that it's just indirect or directly impacting his scoring yeah we will talk about carrigan at length when we get to second row forward options because he he is sort of more you think of the best uh second row options again i'm trying to stay away from that tonight but it's hard not to think of your try scorers try scoring second row forwards and, and carrigan just isn't that so uh, we will pick up the chat around Carrigan when uh, we do talk to RF. Speaking, though, of more of those traditional, uh, you know, hard-hitting, big-motor uh, forwards, front rowers, that is, David Clemmer. He was sort of back to some of his best last season, and I was shocked at the way that sort of he was cast aside at the Knights last year. He was their best player, hands down, but didn't take home the, the Knights Player of the Year award, uh, falling out with the trainer and the coach. The air just stinks up there in Newcastle, and I don't think it's Clemmer's fault. No, that's right. There was a thing with the trainer, wasn't it? He wouldn't go off or something like that. And I mean, if my player doesn't want to go off because he wants to stay on the field, I'm not going to hold that against him. Sounds like they did, though. Strange. Um, but yeah, 64 average last year in a side which we really rode off, and they didn't do a lot. So I think that was a really good performance from him, especially with maybe some things going on behind the scenes and not being too happy there. I think perhaps going to a new club can only boost that average. Yeah, just pulling out some numbers from last year, I, I think it was a career-best year for him. I don't think he played Origin last year, but he, he probably deserved to, to be honest. Uh, just looking at some numbers here, his uh, run metres, 2,631, the most of anyone up there at Newcastle. So to think that he's outrunning the outside backs, Dom Young, Gagai, Tuala, um, Pong, or even at fullback, like that sort of tells you just how much he was involved and how um, prevalent he was for them. Post-contact meters, more than a 1,000. No other knight can can lay claim to that. Tackle bust, 21. Not really his go, but he, he was often critiqued for not having an offload. David Clemmer, 35 offloads last year, more than double the next best of Tyson Frizzell with 17. So what does that tell you? He's found a new element to his game, and Tim Sheens loves offloading forwards. We might still yet to see the best of David Clemmer. Yeah, I think those numbers are so good. And when you consider what we just said, you know, about Newcastle, we don't have a great rap on them. We think maybe the air stinks a little bit. I think it's a very good fresh start for him at the Tigers. He's going to have a lot to prove. And I think they don't really have a great deal of front row forwards. They've got a great back uh, back row at the moment, but mm. he's going to be the top dog there, I reckon. And he's going to be, I really think that average of 64 is only going to go north in 2023. Do you think going to a team, even though Newcastle probably uh, not finals players or contenders in recent seasons, but Newcastle probably looked upon a little bit more glowingly than West. West just traditionally just can't seem to way into the finals. Haven't played finals in, what, 10 or 12 years? Does going to a team like that actually take even more pressure off Glamour? 
The expectations there are quite low. He could come out and just blow us all away this year. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, he's probably, I don't know, there's a bit of an expectation around the top. I guess maybe just from me, I think they can make the eight. But I, I think he, he won't know himself in a new environment. I really do. I think things were going stale at Newcastle. And even despite that, he still was, was their best player last season. So I he's very expensive again, 672. Payne Haas as well, 662. Yeah. All these premium front rowers are all up around 700K. Do you want to spend that much money on a front row forward? I think Clemmer, other than Tarpane, would be my next pick. Yeah, it's just hard to justify, isn't it? Because of that ceiling. And I think this time of year, you have to either go the best of the best and, and stick with them for 27 weeks this year or stray away and try and find some value elsewhere. Uh, that rounds out the four guns we had tonight. So again, like we did with our hookers, we're going to break this down in terms of guns. Uh, those who can improve, some cheapies, and those to avoid as well. So they're the four we've pulled out for guns. Obviously looking backwards, but looking forward this year as well, who we think can can really uh, cement themselves as the premier options at front row forward. This man, though, no, he wouldn't have been on our radar at all this time last year, not in a front row forward sense at least. I think you pulled him out in our hooker podcast this time last year as a Smokey. Yeah, this year we're talking it. talking about him as a front rower. I know, what a difference 12 months, 12 months makes, really. Um, I think even at the time we thought maybe he could be a lock. Yeah. But then he was playing prop last year. I think he's only about 99K. So he was paying above his weight, but he was doing an awesome job. Um, we've got him as a can improve, and I think that's mainly because he's cemented his spot in the Cowboys team. Uh, I don't know. I think last year was a lot of times he was coming off the bench or at the start of the year. He wasn't even certain in the seventh age. I think he played Origin as well. This year, fresh start for him. He'll definitely be in the starting team. I think he's someone you could you could buy and just set and forget sort of thing. Yeah, this is Reuben Cotter, of course. Uh, in terms of just the way he went from fringe first grader to almost man of the match on Origin debut, I don't think we've seen anything like that. Not not in not that I can remember anyway. Uh, just just in terms of his work rate as well, phenomenal. Uh, gets through a mountain of work. He's just taking hit ups. He's making tackles, he's just always involved. Exactly what you want from your uh, premium super coach assets. He does lose his jewel this year, though, so that's a knock. Um, is that enough to sort of sway you away from him? 623000 you are paying quite uh, quite a, a price to get Ruben Cotter as well. No jewel, does it hurt? I think it definitely hurts, and it's really, what well, he averaged 59 last year for all his plaudits and how well he played I thought the average might have been a bit higher than 59 to be yeah. honest um, and you're really not paying that much less than if you're going for a Tarpane or a Tino so I think it's it might be tricky to get him but having said that I think if you do land on him he's, he's not going to let you down at all and definitely one for, for drafts I think yeah something to look at uh, for draft what was I going to tell you I can't remember Mustn't have been too good. Obviously, he had that hamstring injury, I think, in that pregame last year. So that's just something to consider as well. I think we've seen players with hamstring concerns. It's a lingered. Um, so if he is to miss a game or two with a hamstring concern this year, again, it's a, it's a query. Anyone can get injured, of course, but um, just something to be mindful of when you are paying that sort of price for a front row forward. Still on the Cowboys very quickly, at least the Cowboy from last year. And they we're seeing plenty of in the DMs and across Twitter and someone who I've been quite keen on as well in recent seasons. Tommy Gilbert, of course, uh, cowboy turn dolphin. Um, getting into that mid-range sort of price, we bundle him in here with the Ken Improve and double down with him with Ruben Cotter. I'm not going to say he's going to follow the same trajectory as Cotter. I don't think he can... I think he's played Origin, but I don't know if he's going to come in and sort of make that impact where everyone sort of steps back and says, wow... But he's definitely someone who can improve, and I think playing lock, regular minutes under Wayne Bennett, he, he can take the next step. So is it definite that he's going to play lock? Because well, obviously you don't know if it's definite, but I have yeah. seen some teams with him at lock for the Dolphins and others with like even Ray Stone at lock. Yeah. Uh, I would go Tom Gilbert personally. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But is there, you'd want assurance of that, I think, before you buy it. Yeah, exactly. So keep an eye on that, and obviously, we'll get a, a good look in the trials. But if he's playing 13, uh, tell me, what is he? He's probably about 450 odd thousand. As, as we sort of dabble around that price. That's a great price if someone's playing 50, 55 minutes. I think you look at his numbers and his stats, they don't, they're not a true reflection of what he can be, if, if that makes sense. I think we're yet to see the best of Tom Gilbert. No, I'm with you. If he's starting lock for the Dolphins, I think he's a great buy because last year his numbers were all on an edge and he's only playing 50 minutes. I don't think that's, like you're saying, it's not a true indication of what he's capable of. Yeah. He's the same price as people like Blake Laurie and Tui Kamakamika, and he's got much more upside than people like that. So I think in that sort of range, uh, he is definitely a leading option. Yeah, he's in my team, 494000 in fact, so slightly more than uh, what I was getting at there. But I think, again, a dual position player, uh, new club, new responsibilities. Uh, he's, I think he's a future captain of the club. Um, so potentially, you know, Bromwich will stick around for a couple of years and then pass the baton over to Tommy Gilbert. I wouldn't be surprised if he is the the heir to uh, Bromwich's throne. Okay, let's move on quickly, though. Uh, still around that price point. Someone, again, who has played limited minutes uh, last season uh, through injury. It was a bad injury as well. Of course, we're speaking of Christian Welch. Um, and you see it here on your screens now. Just the one game last year, 49 points in that game. I think he only played about... I don't even know if he saw the second half. Maybe just the other side of halftime. Um, gets through a mountain of work and offloading front row forward as well. We are putting an emphasis on that this year. Offloads. He is someone who can create something from nothing. Um, front row forwards. Christian Welch, he's going to have to take another step this year. We know he can. what he's like on his best day. He is an origin forward. But with the experience which has walked out the door down there at Melbourne, he is going to have to stand up. He is, and I think that's a big reason why I quite like him. I don't know if he's going to fit into my side, but I do want him. Um, 2021 pre-injury, he averaged 59, which is pretty good for a front row forward. Obviously, last year's a complete forget. 59, uh, Ruben Cotter averaged 59 as well. He's 623,000. Christian Welch, 460,000. I think he's very capable of getting back to that sort of 59-60 average this mm. year. Hopefully, he's come back fine from his injury. And like you're saying there, you know, the Bromwich brothers have left the building at Melbourne. He's the new, you know, leader of that forward pack, him and Nelson. So I think he's got a great uh, great chance to go much bigger than his price suggests. Have they named a captain Melbourne? Because he could go close, yeah. you'd think. And if he's, if he's captain, he's playing 60 minutes, you'd think. So, again, keep a watch on that. I know Munster would probably be in the conversation, but... Um... Yeah, Christian Welch, he's a natural leader. He loves tweeting, Christian Welch. He's always on Twitter. He's always got an opinion. Um, I just want to bring up some numbers here, so bear with me while I do this. His offloads. Uh, let's go back to 2021. I think that was the season that you were talking about there. Uh, in terms of offloads, 54 was the leader, and that was Pangai Jr., but he wasn't too far off, Fifty, uh, sorry, 45. So nine behind the best, but again, in terms of offloading front rowers, he uh, was the best of those, you could say. Pangai would have been on an edge for, for large parts that year. Uh, Junior Borlo, sorry, was 46. But we think of David Fafita as sort of this offloading, hard-running back rower. Christian Welch, 45 offloads. David Fafita, 44. So it shows you he is, he is prevalent at getting the ball away in contact. Yeah, well, I, I did not even sort of think of that. I don't think of him as that sort of player. But the stats don't lie. That is quite incredible. So with that in mind, plus his work rate, Plus, I think he might be the captain, or at yeah. least very close to it in that leadership group. 
460 seems an absolute steal to me. And I, I think, I know we spoke up Tom Gilbert, but at 30k less, I'd rather go with Christian Welch. Yeah, definitely. I, he's in my team. So I'm, again, I make no secrets. I haven't changed my team since we revealed it on our, I think it was our Hooker podcast. Go check that out on YouTube. Uh, skip towards the end if, you, if you're interested. I haven't changed it from then. Um, not to say I won't. But Welch and Gilbert for mine, 494000 464000 I'm not paying top dollar for players in front row forward who I think can get 55 upwards. And they're two players who I think can. No, it's hard to argue with that logic. As, as we said at the start, you know, this might be a position where you don't want to go to the top of the line options, spend heaps of cash. Two mid-range options could be the way to go. All right, still in the can improve segment here, or section of... Luke Thompson, another name, sort of like Christian Welch, who, uh, well, we obviously didn't get to see their best last year. Welch through injury, but Thompson, I just, I don't know, we came to expect more from him uh, than what we saw from uh, Luke Thompson last year. His average was well down, uh, 49 points per game last year, so getting a discount here. His minutes didn't vary, or didn't vary, I should say, too much. He was 56 minutes per game in 2021 and 53 minutes per game last season, but his average dropped about 17 points per game. So it tells you not only was he, well, he was out there just about the same amount of time, he just wasn't as, as effective. No, it is strange. Uh, I don't really have an answer for it because in 2021 he was... 66 average, he was probably the dog's best player. They were pretty ordinary that year, and he was making busts and playing really well. Mm. He did only play one game after round 12 last year, so I think he was injured. Uh, maybe we we treat that with a little bit of an asterisk because he might come back better from the injury, maybe. I don't know. Like that, There's not a lot of data to go from last year is sort of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Will he be pro- uh, prop this year or lock for the doggies? Ooh. I don't know. Probably props. Probably props. Yeah, I don't know. Probably doesn't make a difference. Uh, I just think if probably Max King, maybe he's got a bit more ball playing in him. Uh, obviously, Josh Jackson's left left the club, so there, there is uh, minutes to fill there in the middle. Uh, he is one of them. So, again, this is our can improve. Like Luke Thompson, that was someone that we mentioned there, so keep a watch on him in the trials and see if he's wearing 8, 10, or 13, or 14, 15, 16, 17. It may give you an indication of where he's headed. This year, uh, let's go back to Newcastle. Of course, I already mentioned David Clemmer there. His exit from that club may mean better and bigger things for a pair of Saifidis. Of course, Daniel uh, priced around four hundred and eighty thousand, and Jacob four hundred and forty thousand. These two, on their day, as I sort of said, I come back to it. They have played Origin, so they are capable of being elite front row forwards. To put it bluntly, they were just fucking shit last year, and I think that's probably a reflection of. I don't know. Everyone at Newcastle last year was just far from good. But these two, again, no clamour. They need to find that gear which got them to a Blues jersey. Yeah, I don't know what was wrong with them last year, to be honest with you. Uh, Daniel Safedi especially. Uh, if you look back through his numbers, 2020, 63 average, 2021, 59 average, and then last year, 46. So that's just fallen off the face of the earth. Um, he's priced at that average, really, too, at 480. So if he can get back to any sort of, any close to those numbers he was doing in seasons gone by, this is another great price. I don't know, like, is he going to get back to, I know Clemens not there, but I haven't seen much from him in the last season or so. That is Daniel Safi. So we pulled, I pulled this out today. And again, this might be clutching at straws for, for a bit of a, a reason as to why maybe these two have, have fallen off the boil, gone off the boil. Jaden Braley missed the large parts of last season. And I think what Braley does, getting out of dummy half and bringing these guys onto the ball, I think of Andrew Fafita at his best. And it was Michael Ennis jumping out and, and you know, getting the getting the role on, working markers backwards. They missed that last year. They didn't have Braley. Randall was pretty much a give off the deck and, you know, they get smashed in contact. But these Saifidi brothers, I think they're, they're front foot players. And we saw this, I think it was in 2021. So Jaden Braley had... Four tries that season. He so he played twenty three games that year. Four tries, two of them with the Daniel Saifidi. So again, maybe we're clutching at straws here, but that's sort of where I'm getting to here. That was his try scoring year. Braley back, Saifidi maybe just that combination. Maybe we see it get somewhere back to where we know it can be this year. 
Yeah, I think behind it, all the numbers, there's always obviously a story and a reason why, and that is probably partially the reason. And I think the fact that Clem is not there this year should mean, really, that Safedi's numbers go up. I have to if Newcastle want to do anything. So, look, if you're a fan of Safedi's work or a Newcastle fan, yeah, we're painting somewhat of a case for him, but personally, I won't be going that way. Yeah. Like we sort of said when you spoke about Payne Haas, you, you think players get to their late late 20s and they just turn into better front row forwards. Saifidi brothers, they, they'll turn 27 in May. So again, they're sort of getting around that age where historically at least these front rowers have come of age. Let's leave that there. Uh, still at Newcastle though, uh, a new signing. Someone who we think will play on an edge, um, dual position, Jack Hetherington makes his way to Newcastle from the Bulldogs. Now, I probably couldn't trust this guy playing three games consecutively without getting sent off as far as I could throw him and tell you what, I couldn't throw him. Do we dare put this guy in knowing that, you said at the top, Tommy, knowing that he could churn out a 15 because he could get sent off, he's going to get suspended, we know that, he's... Would you play with him just at his price? I think uh, we haven't said this yet, but purely at the price, two hundred and seventy k, two hundred sixty six thousand. I think he's. It depends on teamless Tuesday round one. Yeah. If he's named on an edge, he's straight in my team. I know there's that fear, and fair enough that he can get suspended because he's been suspended so many times. Mm-hmm. But the upside. Is pretty good there. If he's maybe, I'm thinking maybe he might be where Lachlan Fitzgibbon has been in the past. Yeah. I don't think Fitzgibbon has that spot nailed down. I'm happy to be with a starting edge back rower at 260k. And he was all right on an edge, wasn't he, last year? Um, I'll have to bring up his numbers, or you can while I talk about it. Uh, I think he played a couple of games there back end of back end of the season. Might have been about four. Um, but yeah, at that price, like you say there, if he is. Again, we, we pray for 80. It probably won't be. But if he's playing 60 upwards on an edge, down that left side even, we know Ponga likes to go that way, you have to consider him. Last year, as a complete forgiver, he didn't play at the end. He, he did his shoulder earlier in the year. He only played Correct. three games at the start of the year. Uh, one of those games is when he did his shoulder, so that doesn't count. There was one game where he started on an edge, played 80 minutes, base of 52. He got mm. 56 points. I mean, if it's obviously a massive ask and there's a lot of factors, but if you could do that on a semi-regular basis, you'd be happy with that at the price for sure. Okay, so here's one for Team List Tuesday. So too maybe Stefano Utukamanu from West. Like you sort of said there, they brought Clemmer in. They have Twall. They have uh, Offahengawi. Stefano, this time last year, we put plenty of faith in him. He didn't deliver. But going off the year prior, 2021, I think it was, he sort of burst onto the scene. He was making line breaks, scoring tries, 270-odd thousand, I think he is now, to start the year. Someone that we're going to look to. Yeah, 319,000. I think he was 270 before the the price changes. Um, I actually have him in my team at the moment. I went with him initially. Mm -hmm. Still a lot of water to go under the bridge there, but... Just looking back at that year, 2021, he averaged 52, which at 270, I'd take. Uh, I think Freddie had him in an origin setup one of the years, yeah, at least did. as a squad player. So it shows that there's definitely potential there, or at least people think there was. Uh, last year, only played nine games, many of them off the bench, and then he broke his wrist and was out for the season. So I think there's a few forgives there. I mean, they do to get David Clemmer, which may hurt his minutes. But he's just another specky, I guess, at, at the price. Yeah, someone that, again, we're going to get to that first Tuesday prior to round one. And if he's named, probably even if he's on the bench, to be honest, which I think he will be, but we'd, we'd love him to start. Um, but if he's named to start, wow. Yeah, he will be in uh, in a lot of teams. I actually think here, now, I'm just looking at their age here. So he, he I think he's the same age as Payne Haas. Well, Haas is 23, he's 22. But the way that Haas is born, he's the December baby Payne Haas. What I'm getting at is, I think they actually came through the New South Wales Junior Rugby League origin pathways together. And to tell you how highly Freddie thought of Stefano, he was captain of the team over Payne Haas. Anyway, yeah. make of that well, what you will. 
just get him in. Get him in your side. No, I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't starting. I think it should be him and Clamour personally. Mm. But like you're saying, they do have Twile and Joe Offer. I don't know, they do have a lot of options in the forwards, but I just think at the price he's definitely worth having in until we see the team list. Okay, we won't waste too much time on these next two, but just two to consider. Franklin Pele, I think Gus has been talking him up uh, on Twitter, so again, take it with a grain of salt, but if he's in the 17 round one, he is a, a rock-bottom cheapie there at the Dogs, uh, and much the same or similar to Davi Moale at South. So a couple of uh, bench forwards, Priced at the uh, close enough to bottom dollar price, around that 22, 23 points per game average, close enough to it. If they get minutes, they could better that, uh, but we just have to wait and see. Yeah, I think you probably found the two best rock bottom price cheapies in this category. I don't think there's a lot of other names there. I do remember Pele, I think it was the trial match last year. Or was it a trial or a first go game? He just absolutely launched off the back fence. <laughs> And just knocked yeah. over a few defenders. So he's good to watch that bloke. So maybe just for um entertainment perspective and nothing else. He scored a couple of tries for Newtown in recent seasons. He, he just runs through people. He, he reminds me of, um, and you'd know this name, I think it was uh, Paliasina from the Warriors circa 2003 yeah. or four. The Rhino. Um, he's got a bit of the Rhinos about him, Franklin Pele. So keep an eye on that. If he does get a debut. I've got a name, I've got a name for you, Ryan. Uh, Daniel Saluka Fafita. <laughs> I know you liked him last year. That's the only reason I'm bringing it up. 247,000 at Souths. Should be on the bench every week, I reckon, but we'll see. He was, and I said this to you this time last year, he was probably, I watched all the trials, he impressed me more than anyone in the trials. I think he got to first grade or NRL, he was not his best. I think he wanted to punch on with everyone. Was that the year before when he was at the Roosters? Was anyway, year before, yeah. He loves to fight. Um, okay, let's leave. Maybe, maybe a good segue into this section: people to avoid. Um, now, I'm not going. I'm not going to bundle him in that in that category for now. And again, feel free to feel free. I should say to to throw some names out here. Again, I'm not going with these ones off uh, numbers or price purely off instinct. And Spencer Lenier, he just he's someone who stands out for me as uh, someone who he gets sucked into. You know, we think at the Panthers. Cheapest price, someone that we you know we think he can go better than his average. He just quite simply doesn't get the minutes. Uh, and what has worked so well for Penrith is his impact off the bench. They don't need him to do more than play 25, 30 minutes. That's his role in that team. I think it will be again. He's got other forwards around him there in uh, obviously Fisher Harris um, and Matty Eisenhuth even in, in the bench role. I can't see him breaking into the first grade. Oh, sorry, starting team over Leota. So, Spencer Lenny, you want to avoid for mine. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I don't think you can expect much different from him. Nothing's really going to change there. So, I mean, if you're happy to cop 30 off the bench, well, maybe. But I, I don't have a lot of players to avoid in this category. I think it's hard to just rule someone out. I, I just think there's a lot of players with low floors and that you just got to expect yeah. that. Maybe players like Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard at the Eels, I don't think they get through a lot of work. I don't think it'll be that popular either, but maybe in draft I'd go elsewhere aside from them. Maybe even Josh Papali. It pains me to say it, but I think Tarpane is the star of the show these days in the fourth back. So yeah. maybe someone like Papali is a little bit overpriced at 6.17. But yeah, I mean, this category is so opened and we've, opened and we've spoke about 12... 12 or 14 names tonight, and yeah. there's probably another 12 out there, really. What about, um, before we just move on to the listener Q&As, I've got, I got to talk about the couple of Dolphins. It'll be remiss of me not to mention my, my boys up there in red. Jesse Bromwich, uh, Jared Wallace. Again, you're getting these guys for mid-300K. Um, we're going to be sucked into them. Herman S.A.S.A., another one. We know he's played his best footy under Wayne Bennett. Are they players to avoid, or just there's just too many question marks around the Dolphins and what that team list looks like? Yeah, I don't know. I think Gilbert was the one from the Dolphins that I'm interested in in the forwards, and I think we've already spoken about him a bit. Jesse Bromwich, I think he's, I think his days are done on Supercoach. Personally, I think yeah. that going back five, eight years ago, he was a great player on Supercoach. A long time now, obviously, but you know the last three years, 45, 39, 41 averages. That's just not doing anything, really. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you're the Dolphins guy here. You're on Dolphin Watch. So, 
you need to tell me who I should be picking for that side. Yeah, give me a couple more weeks. We'll, we'll have a look at the trials. Um, speaking of Jesse Bromwich, just, you've just triggered me there. Remember back in the day, like you'd build your super coach team and you'd, your non-negotiables with Jesse Bromwich, Paul Gallen, Corey Parker, Simon Mannering, probably Cameron Smith, Jonathan Thurston in that in that list as well, Billy Slater at the back. Anyway, that was 12 years ago, so maybe just adds to your, adds to your point there that Bromwich's days are, are long past us. Yeah, Nathan Merritt. Remember Nathan Merritt scored like five tries that day? I don't know. I'm just going back to high school super coach. Long time ago now. Yeah, let's leave it in the past, eh? Uh, back when you <laughs> and I had much better hairlines than we do now. Let's answer some of your questions here uh, via Instagram. There are a couple here, so we'll try and shoot through all of them. Uh, Ads.m15. Thanks for writing in, mate. He says, best cheapie under 300K. Just looking at the names we mentioned. Uh, Jack Hetherington. A lot of these names are team list dependent, obviously. But Hetherington, Stefano, Uto Ikamano. Uh, I'm just looking here further down the list. If if Matt Croker can get into the rotation at Newcastle, I think he's better than that price suggests and that average around 30. Uh, yeah, there's really not much else there, is there? No, I think they're all bench players, really, which makes it hard. They're only going to get 25 to 30 minutes. Hetherington is the one that I thought may, might get a start, so I'd go him. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, it's just bench players, so it's it's pretty slim pickings. Okay, next one here from Adrian Ives Australia says, "Do you think Nass will get minutes in the second row? If show, if so, rather, if so, surely he will be seriously underpriced." Yeah, look, we saw Nass in that second row role at the back end of last year. Doesn't he look good running outside of Jerome Hughes? He's about seven foot ten, um, hundred and forty kilos. At least it seems that way. He is something that is just to behold. And if he is on an edge, replacing uh, Kafusi, who's left, and, and Kenny Bromwich as well, I just think he's probably better suited now in the middle there. I think he will be in the middle. I, I think they've got Sims. They've got Eli Katoa. I think now with Jesse Bromwich gone, they have a gap in the front row. And Nass seems like the perfect guy to fill that. Having said that, um, without Demi, he will go a little bit bigger. He averaged 52 last year. Maybe we'll see that slightly increase. I'm not against him at all this year. Now, another one here from Blake Moore, a.k.a. Blake's Brushworks with an X. Search that on Instagram. Best painter in southwestern Sydney. He will travel as well. Free quotes. Blake's Brushworks, you can get him. <laughs> he says here, Tarpanay and Gilbert for mine. Certainty and the unknown. I like that. He's got a bit of a narrative behind his super catch. So, look, rugby league loves stories. And I tell you what, this bloke loves a yarn. Blake Moore, uh, Tarpanay and Gilbert to start in the front row forwards. Look, in isolation, I love both of them. But combined, that's 1.2 mil in those two slots. Yeah. So do you want to spend that much money on front row forwards? That's, that's the question there. No, I, I wouldn't be. But again... Everyone plays Supercoach different. Uh, Kale Beaton says here, Tommy Flegler, a name we haven't mentioned tonight. Um, obviously, again, we spoke of Payne Haas and Paddy Carrigan, another one in that middle rotation there for the Broncos. Is this a year where Tommy Flegler sort of stands up and announces himself as a premier front rower? I think he's got potential, but sort of like Jack Hetherington, we said he's got a bit of hot-headedness about him. So too does Tommy Flegler. He does, and I probably thought he was going to be maybe even better than he is. He's still good, but I thought maybe he'd become what Pat Carrigan is. Uh, will he even start for his team? I don't think he will. And then he's 479K. So I, unless he's starting, I can't make a case for him. Yeah. Um, I think Kale here is just looking to buy into the Broncos. And uh, and probably wants to go around Haas and Carrigan, but I'm just looking at this here very quickly. Uh, in terms of his run meters, he'd probably be yeah he, he's he's well behind those other two names. Payne uh, Haas upwards of three thousand run meters last season. Uh, Paddy Carrigan eighteen hundred and just a little bit further back seventeen hundred. Tom Flegler. So not entirely out of the question. Um, yeah, just I should take it back. I, he probably will start. I was probably getting confused there. Uh, Carrigan will play lock, I think. Carrigan, he, he, I think of him as a prop, but he plays lock. Yeah. But I think he does the same amount of work that Flegler sort of should be doing. So, yeah, I think there's just too many cooks in the kitchen there to have Flegler at the Broncos. 
I come back to that point there around offloads, Flegler with 27, uh, next best Payne Haas 21. So, yeah, there, there is upside there. Uh, what else we got here from Matt93 says, Max King, dual position, possible increase in minutes from his 47 average with a solid points per minute. Is this Blake Moore's burner account because he's all over Max King? Um, look, we mentioned his name. If he is at lock, if he's starting, geez, yeah, you'd definitely consider him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, last year, this time last year, we weren't even, we didn't know who he was, really. But uh, he burst under the scene. He was a good player for the Dogs last year in a, in a poor team. They're expected to go a lot better this year. He's not overpriced, I don't think, at 540. He's a good mid-ranger. Okay, one here from uh, Mason Batman. One says Christian Welch. I think we've given our thoughts on Christian Welch. I think we both rate him. And again, at that price, De oh, I'm happy to start with him. Uh, another one here from DL Gibson says that John Tolly Alpha, I probably got that wrong, <laughs> Poliafoa, John Toliafoa will break out for the Knights this year. I think he's likely to play during the origin period. Well, look, I haven't heard the name, so I'm going to say his rock bottom price. Is this a bit of mail? Is this our first bit of insight mail for the year from, from DL? I'm looking for him in the game. Hang on. I can't even find him. Uh, that guy spelled it wrong. Or he's not in the game, one of the two. But either way, uh, I'll keep an eye out because rock bottom cheapies, you need them to succeed in this game. Okay. We're probably about five and a half months off Origin 1. So if John's named in <laughs> round 13, that is that is just finding them from, from well or far. Okay. Uh, Noah12love says here, or love.noah12 says, if Dango guy moves to fullback, he's a must. Well, I tell you what. No, what we're talking front rowers tonight, mate. I'm gonna leave that question there. Yeah, I, 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 what do we what do we even say to that? Surely Lockie Miller gets the fullback, but anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's digress. Uh, Tully Alkin or Alchin says Luke Thompson will be the highest average. Now this is a bold prediction or a hot take. Luke Thompson, look, we spoke of him. If he is getting back to his 2021 best, no reason why he can't have the highest average. I think as we said there. At the top, uh, average, uh, the highest was Tarpanay with 66. Can Luke Thompson better that? No. No, look, I don't know. That's He has to go 20 points better than last year. I know he was a bit injury, injured last year, but still, that's a massive ask. Uh, he might go. I, I think he's got scope to go a lot better, but I think Tully is uh, dreaming. <laughs> Alright, our last one here from Lachlan Hodson. Now this is bold. This is a I like this. He says I'm winning the 50k. I think there's probably 145,000 others that think the same this time of year, but that's why we love it. The preseason, everyone's got an opinion. That's good. I, I used to play cricket with Lachlan Hodson actually. He's a he's a fast bowler. Still loves his super coach and listens to our show every week. So good on him. I hope he wins the 50k. If I don't, you getting a cut of that 50k, or are you paid? Is he paid <laughs> you to say that? <laughs> yeah, 50-50, I hope. That's more than I'll be getting, or more than you'll be getting off me anyway. Um, all right, speaking of, um, another big episode. Uh, we'll leave it there. We've sort of gone on a, a little bit longer than we thought we would tonight. Um, coming up, tell us, Tommy, what's, what's next on the agenda? You're obviously jet-setting away. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But after that, yeah, two RFs. We'll just work our way down. I think we both agree. Front row forwards is one of the more bland topics. So I'm keen to get into the to the second rowers next time, and then into the halves. Something a little bit more exciting than 
your dribble for 50 minutes on front rowers who we probably won't spend too much time thinking about this season. Uh, stick with us, as we say, plenty to come on the podcast at Supercoach365 right across the socials. Ryan and Tommy, you know where to find us. Until next time, goodbye for now.